Welcome, gentle listener, and hearken to me hither. I wish to share with thee a sumptuous tale of desire. Reading alone certainly has its place, but some activities are rather more pleasant when shared. The annals of female erotica scarcely receive the accolades they hot. More's the pity. So it is that I seek to pay homage and tip my cap to the literary titans of our age. Let us escape together in wonderment, mystery, and lusty exultation, for these are bleak and uncertain times indeed. Perhaps within the dewy revelry of pulpy romance, we may hope to pluck away our cares and quench the communal thirst of our voracious appetites. Together, we shall curry the favor of gentle solace and ascend to the ethereal plane of our own imagination. Perhaps as we bask in the afterglow of titillation, we may kindle the fires for a brighter tomorrow? Or perhaps tis no more than a brief chance to get our proverbial rocks off. I beseech thee, nuzzle into your headphones and allow this humble token of slightly more than friendship to caress the trembling inner chambers of your mind. On today's episode of Moist Lily, we have the perverse pleasure of B. Snow's remarkably rhapsodizing time-travel period parchment, Emily's magical bejeweled codpiece. We enter on Tom, a museum curator and Renaissance jewelry aficionado, who upon finding himself alone with an ancient object of willy-warming wonderment, does what any of us would do, were we to insert ourselves in the situation? Lo and behold, this codpiece is more than just a bedazzled and bulging knobby knick-knack. Let us sack up and tear through the space-time continuum together in twain and discover just where this teleportation trinket treat takes us. Penis. Tom shuddered as his cock jerked. Come on, focus, he muttered to himself, turning the codpiece over to examine the inside of it. The part that would have surrounded his cock would have clasped it in a silken embrace. He saw words embroidered in gold thread around the edge of the fabric. Some of the stitches were missing, but he thought it said, Rob, to begin the magic. I knew you were a sexy bastard, Emilio, Tom muttered, returning the codpiece to its case and closing the lid. He stripped off the gloves and his t-shirt and took himself in hand again. Now imagining Nesky stroking his way down Tom's body to the skin at the edges of the codpiece, slipping his hand under the gold chains and finally unfastening them to get at the prize beneath the jewels and silk. Fuck me, that's hot, Tom breathed, his hand moving faster. Okay, jerk off first, then call his friend Cheryl and convince her to leave her jewelry studio long enough to come over and take pictures of the codpiece. If he nagged her to drop everything else, 
She could probably make a replica in two weeks. Brass and Swarovski crystals weren't the same as golden gemstones, but they were close as he would ever get to wearing the real thing. Unless... No. No way. No, 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 no way in hell. Absolutely not. If his own code of ethics didn't keep him from doing the abso-fucking-lutely wrong, impossible, insane thing he was thinking of doing, the rules of his profession were quite clear on the matter. If he so much as laid a finger on something this priceless for his own personal gain, he might not only lose his job, he could be sued possibly even go to prison for willful destruction of property. But fuck, he'd never seen anything so beautiful in his life. He'd be careful. He knew how to be careful, how to handle artifacts. Slipping one glove back on, he ran a finger lightly over the stones. They seemed to be set firmly into the gold, and the chains showed no sign of corrosion. Only the silk behind the gold seemed fragile. He glanced at the clock on his computer. Peter had left about ten minutes earlier. He wouldn't be back for at least an hour, and Tom wouldn't need even five minutes, as turned on as he was. He stood up, shoved the chair out of the way, and dropped trow, then hesitated. His thumbs hooked in the elastic of his briefs. As much as he wanted to feel the silk of the codpiece surrounding him, there was no way he would allow 450-year-old fabric to touch his naked dick. Besides, he didn't want to get pre-cum all over it, which was a distinct possibility, the way his dick was leaking. Tom stepped out of his sweatpants and briefs and ran upstairs to grab a condom. He rolled it on in the bathroom, dabbed the lube off it, then returned to his office. Ooh, okay, he told himself. It's going to be okay. Nothing bad's going to happen. I'm going to put it on to see how it feels, just for a few seconds, and then it's back into the case. No harm, no foul, no damage. No one will ever know. He pulled on the other glove and opened the case again, blew out a breath, then carefully lifted the codpiece. His dick went rigid just from the weight of the codpiece in his hands. An erect cock wouldn't fit inside, but it didn't matter. The merest touch, the tiniest brush with Nisai would be enough. First, Tom placed the codpiece over the tip of his cock, shuddering at how good it felt and then he took a few deep breaths to calm down so he wouldn't blow right away. After he had control of himself, he drew the top chain around his waist and fastened it. With the codpiece quivering at the very tip of his hard-on, the last chain would not reach to attach behind him. But that was okay. That was good. He wasn't going to walk around with it on, and he wasn't about to put anything that old into his ass crack anyway. It was good enough. No, it was perfect, just like that. Even if he wasn't wearing it correctly, he shut his eyes again and took himself back to Nisi's studio. Table with the fruit and the wine, the workbench under the windows, and Nisi sitting on the divan, his hands on Tom's hips as Tom stood between his legs spreading. 
Rub to begin the magic, Tom whispered, his toes curling into the carpet. Nisi would murmur endearments in Italian as he laid his hand reverently on the codpiece. Just as Tom was doing, then he would rub his fingers over the jewels, heating the gold in exactly that way, driving Tom insane with desire, making his head spin and the room spin. But no, too much. Too much spinning and dizziness, and oh fuck, nausea, and Tom fell on the floor, gasping, swallowing to keep from throwing up, holding his head and stomach. Stupid, 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 Jesus fucking Christ, what had he been thinking, letting something that old near his dick, even with a condom on? God, it was probably seething with plague bacteria, or syphilis, he could hear the conversation with the doctor now. You put what? Where? Stupid idiot. Fucking brain-dead moron. He'd just infected himself with some disgusting and unknown virus, and he'd probably die from it because no one would recognize it until it was too late. And it was his own fault. He should have left the codpiece the fuck alone and gone to the gym with Peter. Maybe they would have gotten busy again in the showers, and then Tom wouldn't have felt the need to fuck an inanimate object that would poison him. Fuck. Tom rolled onto his back and lay there for a moment, one hand on his forehead, the other across his stomach, which was settling as he gulped in deep breaths. Maybe he was going to be all right. The plague probably didn't work that quickly anyway. But no... No, no, oh fuck, oh fuck, the codpiece. Adrenaline surged and his eyes flew open, but he couldn't bear to look, so he shut them again. Taking a few deep breaths, he moved his shaking hands to the codpiece. It seemed to be undamaged. The clasp on the chains was digging into his back, but that was a relief because it meant it hadn't broken. It was okay. Everything would be okay. Eyes still closed, he rolled over onto his hands and knees, then stilled. Something was wrong with his hands, because the carpet on the floor of his office felt cold through the cotton gloves, and hard, almost like stone. Something was wrong with his knees, too, because the carpet felt like stone under them as well, and when he opened his eyes, he began to panic again, because now the carpet looked like stone dark grey flagstone that felt cool and smooth but gritty with dirt as he ran his gloved hand over it. He took off his glasses, rubbed his eyes, then put them back on, but nothing changed. What the hell? And what was that smell? Oh, my beauty is here. Tom screamed and jumped, still on his hands and knees, to see who had spoken. The carpet that looked and felt like flagstone banged the hell out of his knees, but there was no time to process pain. There was a stranger in the house. I've got a gun, Tom shouted, jumping up and trying to hide behind his chair at the same time. But his chair was gone. Why was his chair gone? And what did the missing chair matter anyway when he was alone in the apartment with some stranger, naked except for a bejeweled codpiece, a condom, his glasses and a pair of cotton gloves? Get the hell out of here, he shouted, covering the codpiece with one hand and his ass with the other, before I start shooting. An empty threat, because there was no gun. 
and as Tom took in more of his surroundings, his heart pounded hard enough to jump out of his chest, because everything that should have been there was gone. No desk chair, and no desk, for that matter. Only a small, roughly hewn wooden table that held a few wine bottles and a bowl of fruit. A wooden stool next to a work table, littered with tools and bits of metal that glinted in the sunlight coming through the nearby window. And against the far wall, a divan covered in an indeterminate shade of fabric. Next to that divan stood the man who had spoken. He had long hair that tumbled in messy curls over his shoulders, dark eyes rimmed with long lashes, and a mouth that curved up in a smile when he saw Tom. You say many things, but I can't understand them, the man told Tom in Italian. Oh God, there must have been some sort of hallucinogen on the codpiece. It had gotten into his skin, and now he was tripping hard. It was the only explanation for the fact that Bernadetto Emilio Nisi seemed to be standing in front of him, in a room almost exactly as he had imagined, only much, much dirtier. Flies buzzed around the fruit, and the wine bottles, crumbs, rags, and dust bunnies littered the floor around the work table. And the divan had a variety of stains on the sections of the fabric that weren't ripped or worn away. Tom closed his eyes. Taking a deep breath, he unhooked the codpiece and placed it on the floor a few feet away from him, then lay down, shuddering at the feel of grit under his back and ass, and closed his eyes, telling himself he would just wait it out. If it was anything like those magic mushrooms he'd had in college, he'd start to come back down in an hour or so. God, he hoped he'd be back to normal before Peter got back, or he'd never hear the end of it. That is, if Peter was coming back. Hadn't he said something about going back to his own? You want to do it on the floor? That's fine with me. Tom's eyes flew open and he sat up. The man was standing right next to him, grinning as he peeled off his hose. Tom got to his feet, snatching up the codpiece and holding it protectively. He darted over to the work table and grabbed the stool dragging it in front of him as he backed up until he was standing against the wall. Stone and mortar. No, no, no. Where was the wallpaper he'd picked out last spring? I don't know who you are or what you want. Speak properly, idiot. What? What? What's happening? Tom managed in Italian. You don't know? The man dropped his hose on the floor. My beauty has come back to me. I'm not your beauty. I'm talking about the codpiece, you arrogant son of a whore. Did Lucino sell it to you? The man laughed. He threatened to throw it away after our last meeting. You're not real, Tom said in English. I'm just hallucinating. You're not Italian, are you? The man asked, stepping forward. Stay away from me. The man stopped. Look here, you stupid little rabbit, he began. Or at least... That's what Tom thought he'd said. He wasn't speaking the Italian Tom had learned during his year in Florence. It was similar, some kind of regional dialect, probably. So Tom was getting only every other word or so. But it seemed to be enough to understand what the man was saying. But wasn't that always the way it worked in hallucinations? Or at least Tom guessed that was how it worked. 
He'd never hallucinated this badly before. You came to me, the man said slowly. The codpiece brought you here, just as it was supposed to. Now, are we going to fuck or aren't we? You're not real, Tom said in Italian. The man laughed again, showing teeth with bits of food stuck between them, then strolled up to Tom, who yelped when the man pinched his thigh. Does that feel real? But, 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 Tom stuttered. I see Lucino didn't tell you the whole story, the man said, taking off his shirt and tossing it onto the floor next to his hose. He was now naked and apparently had not one iota of self-consciousness. So I'll explain. I created the codpiece and I put an enchantment on it. One puts it on, rubs it, and it brings him here. That way the owner can come and go whenever he likes, without being seen in the streets. Clever, isn't it? He grinned. Tom narrowed his eyes. Oh, okay, I get it. He looked around the room, then spoke loudly and clearly. Very funny, whoever you are, he said in English. You can just turn off the cameras now, because I'm not going to sign your fucking reality show waiver. In fact, I'm going to sue your asses raw for drugging and kidnapping me. How does that sound? So fucking call it off now. I don't understand what you're saying. But I don't care either, the man said, squeezing one of Tom's ass cheeks. Tom jumped out of his reach. Don't touch me, Tom told him in Italian. God, what's that smell? The man sniffed, shrugged. I don't smell anything. I have to say, it's a shame you're not here for a tumble. You're a tasty little morsel. Get away from me, you pervert. Tom ran around the room, codpiece in hand, lifting dishes and cushions. No cameras in the rooms, no holes in the wall that might indicate cameras behind them. Just stone and mortar, dust and dirt, and more dirt. No, 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 that's not possible. Magic isn't real. It doesn't exist. Then how did you get here, rabbit? How did you arrive in Emilio Nessie's home wearing Emilio Nessie's codpiece? Tom froze, staring at the man for a few seconds before he shook himself and ran to look out the window. The setting sun cast a pink glow over a long piazza, at the end of which was a church. A dull, buzzing fear filled Tom as he stared at the church because he recognized it. He knew the shape of the facade, although the stones were not covered in the white plaster he was familiar with. He had spent many Saturday nights sitting on its steps with other college students, laughing and drinking, singing along to someone's guitar, while his friends had sat on the steps. He'd leaned against the wall or on the handrails, unwilling to sit anywhere where people had walked, tracking God knows what on their shoes. He stuttered the name of the church. Yes, Nisi said. You're familiar with Florence? A little. He looked down to the piazza and saw donkeys pulling carts, men wearing hose and colorful hats, women with scarves tied around their heads, their long skirts sweeping the streets, baskets on their arms, no jeans, no cars or vespers, no ads for Coke or Cinzano. Oh my God, Tom whispered, sinking into the floor, falling onto his side and curling himself around the codpiece. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, he moaned in English. 
This wasn't happening. Magic wasn't real. Time travel wasn't possible. Neither was teleportation. It had to be a dream or hallucination or something other than a magical fucking codpiece transporting him back to the 16th century. Oh, fuck. No, 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 no. Tears stung his eyes and fogged up the lenses of his glasses. Time travel in movies and novels was always done on purpose, with science, and there was always a way to get back. None of this random shit that yanked someone out of his own time, away from his life, from his beautiful boyfriend, with no hope of ever getting home. Was that good for you too, gentle listener? Should your thirst for this particular tale be yet unslaked, look no further than the Amazon, or perhaps your local book merchant. I've taken the liberty of including links to the author's work in the story notations. If you have enjoyed your visit, please be sure to sing praises of the lily on high to your acquaintances, significant others, and fellow personages of estimable taste. Bellowing from either rafter or rooftop is cautiously encouraged. However, five-star reviews and social media shares are preferable. Should you be so inclined, one may also happen upon news, updates, and a veritable plethora of other such erotic goings-on at www.moistlily.com. I bid you warm and dewy salutations until our next chance encounter.